Welcome to Exit 222, the podcast that puts you in the hearts, in the mind, and on the front line of stories that matter. I'm your host, Ari McLean. Imagine for a moment that you're in your car and you're driving along an interstate in a rural part of the country outside of an urban area in a more sparsely populated part of the U.S. You're in your vehicle, your truck, your SUV, whatever it might be. The sun has gone down, it's dark outside, the stars are out, the moon is out. And as it is with any rural drive, any area where there's not a a lot of city lights, it's really dark. Just the absence of city lights, of headlights, of building lights, all that sort of thing. You feel the darkness, you feel the space much more than you would if you were in an urban area. But up ahead in the distance, you see on the horizon, blinking in unison, what looks like a sea of red lights, almost as if it's the biggest runway in the world that stretches for miles across the horizon ahead of you. And since it's dark, you don't really know what you're looking at, but except that whatever it is, whatever this array might be, it's enormous. And as you pull even or, or closer to this sea of blinking red lights, perhaps silhouetted against the moon, and all of a sudden you see some movement on it, and you realize that these are wind turbines, hundreds of them, stretching out as far as the eye can see, and even overflowing into neighboring counties. These aren't small structures. They're a couple hundred feet tall with blades that extend 30 to 40 yards, three of them on each turbine. And these wind turbines, these electricity generating machines, are emblematic not only of where Blackwell's been, but where it's going. But before we jump into looking ahead at what Blackwell's future holds, I think it's worth circling back on the history that the town and the community have experienced so far and some of the issues that have led up to the most recent milestone in the town's history in this surge of renewable energy as well as conventional energy production. Now where we last left off with Blackwell's story, the story of this incredibly resilient small town just sitting on the northern end of Oklahoma along Interstate 35, just south of the Kansas border, we walked through the beginnings of Blackwell and what you might describe as a massive Black Friday sale or event the largest land run in American history, the opening of the so-called Cherokee Outlet, where settlers lined up in the hundreds of thousands to race and claim 160 acres to call their own, and pinned their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations on being able to outrace thousands of other individuals for that parcel of land that they hoped to call their home. In the aftermath of the land run, as the dust settled, Blackwell, much like hundreds of other communities in the area, struggled to compete for resources, talent, businesses. So you can see how competitive that landscape would be. Not only do you have to have survived the land run having gotten your 160 acres, but then as a community, you're competing against hundreds of other communities that have emerged overnight as well. And you're competing for those resources, attracting talent, businesses, infrastructure, all of which were the lifeline that would ensure or at least put you on the path toward economic sustainability. Fortunately for Blackwell, as the 1900s rolled on, 
they were able to acquire some of those key parts that made them into a bustling small town, small city in the north central part of the state. And then suddenly the script was flipped when the vast reserves of energy that existed underground in what was then the territory of Oklahoma were first discovered, which completely altered the agrarian or farming or agricultural underpinnings that had really formed the bedrock of that initial state of Oklahoma or territory of Oklahoma after the land runs. And within 10 years of that first commercial oil well being drilled, what was in Indian Territory became the state of Oklahoma, and the state of Oklahoma became one of the largest oil-producing entities on Earth. And quickly, Blackwell was surrounded by oil derricks and energy production. All of this business, this industry of energy, really anchored and buoyed Blackwell as it moved towards the middle of the 20th century. But as the 1950s hit, Blackwell's population had peaked. But what happened in May of 1955 was the first domino in a number that would fall in the next few decades that marked the beginning of Blackwell's time on that bumpy economic plateau where economic growth stalled and the population started to decline. And that first domino was an F5 tornado. Mother Nature's sledgehammer ripped through the northeastern part of town in the dark, leaving hundreds injured and close to 20 dead. And after that horrific event, some businesses chose to relocate rather than rebuild, which kicked off this series of dominoes that culminated in the early 1970s, when in 1974, the community saw its largest employer, the lead and zinc smelter, shutter for good, and a thousand jobs went with it. The backbone of the city's economy was gone, but its remnants were spread around town in the form of toxic waste. It was something that the town would have to deal with for decades and continues to deal with even today. And in the subsequent decades, businesses came and went, but the status quo never really changed until you got to the early 2000s. And in 2004, a new form of business sprung up all around Blackwell and all around Oklahoma, and that was the advent of casinos, the new state law that allowed tribes to operate full-fledged casinos. For Blackwell, a number of them sprang up within an easy drive of town, which on the one hand provided new opportunities for work and employment and entertainment, but on the other hand became a drain. Because while you have all these positive things that are touted by the casino industry, by the gaming industry, about jobs and economic benefits, the negative social consequences of having an eruption of gaming establishments nearby, a handful within easy driving distance of town, another handful a little bit further down the road, it's impossible to measure the negative consequences, the social cost. So it's an easy win for the casino industry. So I want you to put a mental bookmark at this point in Blackwell's story. Because imagine, put yourself in the shoes of a Blackwell resident. You've been on this economic bumpy plateau for a while. Then all of a sudden the casino industry start to pop up, bringing jobs and hopefully economic diversity. And, more importantly, there's perhaps even better news on the horizon. And it's a development that will fundamentally alter oil and gas production landscapes across America and something that every American will notice when they go to fill up their vehicle at the gas station. And that is the emergence of hydraulic fracturing, better known as fracking. Fracking is an oil and gas production technique that allows energy companies to reach what are commonly described as previously inaccessible deposits 
According to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, it's described as tapping, quote, fractures in the rock formation that stimulate the flow of natural gas or oil, increasing the volumes that can be recovered, end quote. Now, I'm no geologist, I'm no engineer, but what this means in layman's terms is that by being able to access these previously inaccessible deposits or even energy fields that had previously been used up, at least from the energy company's perspective, being able to resuscitate fields where maybe additional oil or gas was able to be recovered means there's a lot more energy available here domestically than had previously been thought. Now, from a mechanical perspective, the fracturing process essentially works as follows, again from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Quote, Fractures are created by pumping large quantities of fluids at high pressure down a wellbore and into the target rock formation. End quote. In English, these high-pressure fluids are injected hundreds, thousands of feet below the surface to break up rock formations and release these oil and gas deposits that were otherwise trapped. So in other words, a drilling technique that hadn't been really practical all of a sudden became profitable. Landmen working for energy companies began approaching farmers and landholders and property holders aggressively, seeking to lease out the mineral rights of those properties for the energy reserves. So all this new royalty revenue, all this new cash started to be injected into small towns across the state. You had a modern version of these overnight boom towns resuscitating smaller communities that had been on life support. So it harkened back to the oil barons of the early 1900s, something that hadn't been seen in the area in 100 years, really. Now circling back to where we started this episode, about the same time that fracking is taking off across Oklahoma and different pockets of the U.S., the area started to see a huge uptick in investments in renewable energy, and that one of those particular types of renewable energy was through the power of wind energy. These wind turbines are capable of generating electricity for thousands of homes, could be sold across state lines. And the development of these wind farms around Kay County near Blackwell across northern Oklahoma was also reflective of a national trend, a surge in investment in renewable energy, but also for Oklahoma. The state has risen to number two nationally in terms of rankings of installed wind power capacity, second only to Texas. Now for Blackwell, this development of wind energy isn't just economics, but it also changes the skyline of the town itself in a community that had been for decades dominated by the smokestacks of the lead and zinc smelter. Now, when you're looking around town, you see wind turbines almost in every direction. And as we all know, in many cases, perception can be just as important as reality, especially when it comes to attracting future business or individuals looking for a place to invest. There's a certain irony in the fact that while you have a resurgence in more traditional energy drilling and exploitation, aka fracking, but at the same time you have this surge in renewable energy personified by the wind turbines and the wind farms that popped up all around north central Oklahoma. As residents of Blackwell were poised to capitalize on the resurgence in both this traditional energy development as well as the renewable energy, an issue began to crop up that would impact residents of Kay County, but also would have ripple effects across the state. That was something that 
was more felt than seen. What I'm talking about here, of course, is a sudden and severe rise in the number of earthquakes across Oklahoma, but also around Blackwell or around the counties neighboring the community itself. In fact, if you were to go online or download an app that showed you all the seismic events, the USGS, the U.S. Geological Survey, recorded events, magnitude 1.5 or 2.0 or 3.0, it is alarming when you look at the number of small earthquakes spread around north-central Oklahoma over the last several years and how common they are compared to the historical average or what we know to be the historical average. To give it more of a personal touch, let me read for you the description provided by the U.S. Geological Survey about what a small earthquake feels like. Quote, A small earthquake nearby will feel like a small, sharp jolt followed by a few stronger, sharp shakes that pass quickly. End quote. Now that may not sound like much, but that's the small quakes. Imagine the larger ones, and there have been a few of those. One couple that lives locally described it as, for a larger quake, hearing a low rumbling noise approach you almost like a train before the rattling actually commences inside the home. And when I say a severe increase, I'm not talking about like, oh, there were 20 more earthquakes. We're talking about exponentially higher numbers of earthquakes. Now, to those who might be arguing the other side of this, these are not catastrophic earthquakes. Most of what we're talking about are earthquakes that you have a hard time maybe feeling like a 1.5 or a 2.0, but the sheer volume of earthquakes, some of which can be felt, a 3.0, and the fact that Oklahoma experienced its largest earthquake on record in the recent past, I think speaks to the concern about this issue. For example, in 2010, the state of Oklahoma recorded about 40 earthquakes of magnitude 3.0 or more. But by 2015, that number had jumped to more than 900, an increase of 2,100%. And if you look at the U.S. Geological Survey site, you can see how many of these earthquakes occur, whether in Kay County or in neighboring counties. As the number of earthquakes continued to pile up, so did the scrutiny with which the energy industry found itself under and individuals looking for a link between the fracking process and these earthquakes, a so-called man-made earthquake theory. Now, if you recall, when you think back to the fracking process that we described earlier in this episode, it involves the injection of fluids deep into the earth in order to break up certain formations that help release energy reserves. Now, there's also a process where that liquid or those fluids, once they're used, become sort of wastewater, a term that we'll use loosely here. Again, I'm no scientist, so we're going to talk about the waste product that's left over, that leftover fluid once it's been used. The reason it's important to talk about this specific part of the fracking process is as geologists and other scientists start taking a harder look at the fracking industry and any potential connections to the sudden rise in earthquakes in the state of Oklahoma, it became clear that there may in fact be links between these wastewater injection sites where this additional or excess leftover fluid was being re-injected back into the earth away from the well site, and then subsequent earthquakes. In fact, in 2015, the Oklahoma Geological Survey published a report. And that report painted a pretty stark picture. Quote, 
The Oklahoma Geological Survey has determined that the majority of recent earthquakes in central and north-central Oklahoma are very likely triggered by the injection of produced water in disposal wells. End quote. It goes on to say, quote, The rate of magnitude 3-plus earthquakes has increased from 1.5 per year prior to 2008 to the current average rate of 2.5 per day a rate that is approximately 600 times the historical background, end quote. Anything that's 600 times the historical background would be of concern, would it not? Now, fortunately, as the industry and science began to coalesce around some of the root problems or potential root causes of this rise in earthquakes, they devised some approaches, such as limiting the number of disposal wells operating or closing down certain ones if there were a spate of earthquakes, things of that nature. And it seems to have put the state on the right track. The number of earthquakes have gone down dramatically. And so as the saying goes, there are two sides to every coin. And so for the residents of Blackwell and similar communities, when you have something as attractive as a huge increase in economic growth attributed to the fracking industry or tied to the fracking industry, What's that other side of the coin, right? And in this case, it seems to have been a sudden, sharp increase in earthquakes across the state. Now, as Blackwell and Kay County and North Central Oklahoma experiences resurgence in the energy industry, I think it's a fitting book in to where the story began. And we can now shift to looking at Blackwell's future and why it's imperative or perhaps symptomatic of what we can expect for other small towns, not only in the state of Oklahoma, but elsewhere in the United States, and why it's so important to tell their story, to tell the story of Blackwell and its residents. And that is because while the unique events that have happened in Blackwell to the residents, the scars that they bear and that the community bears are themselves unique, you can find similar dynamics in other small communities, whether they're in Oklahoma or elsewhere across the states. And so the idea that what's happened in Blackwell, what will happen in Blackwell, perhaps is representative of what will happen elsewhere in rural America, in small towns. I think it's vital to understanding what the future may hold, not only for Blackwell, but for a number of other small communities across the country. So I think the interest or viability of Blackwell in the coming three or four decades will tell a lot about where America's going as well. Looking ahead into Blackwell's future, it's impossible to say where the town's path may go. Given all the other factors, external dynamics, world events that could come into play. But I am hopeful. I am optimistic. That the people of this community will continue to adapt, will continue to be resilient, and will continue to move forward in the same way that their ancestors did more than 100 years ago when they lined up and took their chances in one of the largest competitive events in human history. Finally, I'll leave you with a quote from Blackwell City Leadership that offers a fitting end to this story. Quote, Join us as we embrace the challenges of the new era we are entering, as we rekindle the pioneering spirit demonstrated by early settlers and our forefathers, and reach out and foster new friendships new business opportunities, and a vision for the future. End quote.
In wrapping up our first season here, I just want to give a big thanks to not only our contributors, who I couldn't have done this without them and their insights and their experiences, but also to those of you who are listeners out there. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it interesting and insightful. And moving ahead, looking ahead to our next season, I think you'll find the next story even more compelling, where we dive into the world of welfare and social work and the human elements of that system and helping understand what it means to live in that world. Join us next time.